Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Tyler Lay. He is the Chief Marketing Officer and also Director of Branding and Partnerships for Virtual Worker Now. They are a virtual worker firm, obviously, uh, but in particular, specializing staff from Egypt. So I'm super excited to have Tyler on the show to discuss the opportunities in Egypt and for Egypt professionals and talent over there. And Tyler, as you will hear, the they have a deep background in uh, the digital, online, information, e-commerce kind of worlds. And there's a lot that I think every business can learn from those applications of, of business and entrepreneurship. And these guys are certainly deep into that. Uh, so it's a really fascinating uh, conversation and also a fascinating company and brilliant to hear also about uh, Egypt and the staffing opportunity over there. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Tyler Lay, welcome to the show. Last week, we were uh, with a BPO from Albania, and now uh, Virtual Worker Now is from Egypt, which is really exciting. So I want to hear all about Egypt, Tyler, uh, and of course about Virtual Worker Now. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Derek. What do you want to hear about first? Egypt specifically, it sounds like you've been there, but you want to hear about my trip there? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So just just give us some background. You have, sure. I think, about 350 staff now and, and mm-hmm. largely in Egypt, which is, you know, I, I have been there, as you say, and uh, fantastic location, but it's not necessarily known as a as a major outsourcing destination. So, what is it about Egypt for you guys that that you see uh, outsourcing working really well? 
Yeah, it, it's a it's an interesting story. Our founder Yusuf Sabri is a bit of an influencer out there. So he's he's Canadian. He spends a lot of time in America, but he's his family is Egyptian, and he is very Egyptian. You know, he speaks Arabic, and he spends a good amount of time out there. And you know, he has a very strong network, and he's a very strong entrepreneur. And through me and through one of our other sort of co-founders, Jonathan Kendall, we together just have a very very strong entrepreneurial sort of. Uh, a large, wide-ranging market. A lot of folks that are in the in the sort of vicinity of starting up a lot of businesses and um, in need of you know media, creating content, that sort of thing. And Yusuf, being from Egypt, is, was very familiar with creatives out there in particular. He himself is you know sort of an artist. He has his own podcast and he does a lot of those things. Um, and he was just very familiar with a strong cohort of video editors, graphic designers. And you know, copywriters and, and artists out in Egypt. So he, we kind of had a head start in that sense, um, in that we had one person who's just already in a very strong community of, you know, highly educated, very smart, very independent, and very just enthusiastic, enterprising young creatives. Um, the story about how we ultimately got started. I'm about eight nine months into my tenure at the company right now, but we began. I actually began as a client of Virtual Worker Now, when it actually had a different name, they were called the Misfits. And it was Yusuf and a small team of very strong video editors. I was working for a company called Mentorbox. We were turning business books, high-level, you know, famous people books, you know, very strong bestsellers into courses, into course content. And we had a small cohort of video editors from the Misfits. You know, one thing led to another. I ended up leaving Mentorbox. My former boss, again, Jonathan, had left Mentorbox and we came over here and over the last two years, so you know, about a year before I had even started, things were growing from a team of you know six video editors and a couple copywriters now to about 350 video editors, graphic designers, copywriters, virtual assistants, customer service agents, salespeople, architectural designers, all kinds of different things, you know, bespoke marketing agents. Um, we have a very wide range of specialists now and things are growing very, very rapidly. Fantastic. It is. It's it's amazing. We're seeing the spread. As I said, you know, I spoke to Albania yesterday. Um, we're seeing huge growth in outsourcing sectors in, you know, places like Fiji and Jordan and South Africa. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just incredible to see this spread across the world. And it really is becoming global, globalized employment, you know, and I'm just so excited for that, for that trend and the opportunities that it brings countries like Egypt that that were previously, you know, through geographical location, weren't necessarily able to access the global market so easily. So uh, mm-hmm. it's just incredible. And as you say, there's this, you know, skilled, talented, brilliant people everywhere, aren't they? It's, uh, yeah, fantastic to see. And can you give us, uh, you know, insight into Egypt? Like what are the sort of common salaries you would get there or, you know, um, are they particularly renowned for any type of profession or discipline or things like that? Yeah, Egypt is a, a rapidly developing place. When I was there for the month of October, um, we were driving around Cairo and there is an an unbelievable amount of really high-level construction going on for, you know, I um, there, there's large-scale business spaces and business plazas being built. Very, very nice, like, the architecture is incredible. I'm not even sure what the words to describe it are, you know, what style it is, but it's, you know, really high level stuff going on and um, all new, you know, just residential spaces as well. 
there are billboards that line every single freeway for miles and miles. There's more billboards than anything out there. I swear it's, it's like the social media advertising is here is equivalent to billboards out there. Not sure about the effectiveness or the ROI on them, but, um, all kinds of advertising for, you know, new residential spaces and, um, you know, new office spaces and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, there's, there's obviously strong development, what kinds of fields I can't say I'm, you know, particularly keen on, but things are growing out there. And Mm -hmm. what I do know about, you know, through the folks that I work with and through the teams that I work with is that it's, it's hard to start out when you're young there. And if, and if you're ambitious, you know, ambition takes you very far, no matter where you are, but in Egypt, the opportunities are, they're a bit more disparate and um, they, I would say they aren't as accessible as they might be in America to do something artistic or to do something creative. Like I mentioned, we had a lot of folks do. And in particular, what we do, especially um, from, we're, we're very strong from a recruitment standpoint. We have a very strong system for that. And we recruit from areas that have very strong universities and strong colleges, you know, folks that are really, really ambitious coming out of school many of whom studied, you know, engineering or economics and things like that. Um, And they are looking for an entry-level position. In a lot of cases, entry-level positions in Egypt when you're young are in the realm of, you know, what I've heard is EGP, we're talking about, um, you know, 5,000 to 8,000, 4,000 to 7,000, somewhere in there for, you know, like a starting salary. And we're very competitive with that. You know, we, in most cases, are exceeding that sort of like starting salary because we're able to find people who have, you know, very dedicated mindsets to a specific skill because we, how we do things is by sort of like specific skill department. Like I said, you know, a certain creative video editing, graphic design, copywriting, uh, or customer service or sales. Mm -hmm. And we find those people who are very strong in that, but are struggling to find their way into a, a position that will allow them to grow. And we, you know, we pull them over and now all of a sudden they're working with a renowned American business, you know, a really high level e-commerce store, a global e-commerce store, even um, retailer, that sort of thing, or, you know, a famous influencer uh, working in real estate and sales or something along those lines. Um, at the end of the day, one thing that's very, very common in Egypt, uh, one industry or, you know, one profession is, you know, there is a lot of like customer service, sort of like telesales type positions working for large, large corporations out there. So Vodafone is a really, really big one. Um, I think AT&T might have like an arm that's very similar to that where they just have really, really large, you know, effectively like call rooms of folks that are just doing customer service and sort of sales over the phone. And our goal oftentimes is to allow those people to give those people that are doing those jobs and have shown success to you know, sometimes do a similar job and, but with more hope of advancement, you know, maybe they're still selling on the phone or doing customer service, but Mm -hmm. there's a more clear hierarchy and path to advancement with us, or maybe they have a different passion and instead they want to do something creative or instead they want to, you know, work in a more direct executive position with a leader in a company. And we offer that opportunity to those types of folks. No, I find it fascinating. And 8,000 Egyptian pounds per month is about 500 US dollars. And so it sounds, you know, mm-hmm. relatively similar to the Philippine kind of pay grades. Uh, and yep. as you say, you know, it's just, it's a, it is just beneficial for people to have access to global opportunities instead of being limited to their opportunities in their own hometown or own geographical location. As soon as the Mm -hmm. world is opened up to one single marketplace, you know, you get these efficiencies and you get these, 
you know, creatives in Cairo somewhere suddenly being able to tap into global opportunities and it's good for them and it's good for the employers in the US. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. an incredible sort of network effect win-win, which is super exciting. And as you say, you know, about the development in Cairo that you were seeing with the buildings and, you know, I traveled quite a bit through developing worlds and there is a staggering amount of development in the in the newer developing countries and you go, you know, you're sitting in New York right now and you go to the more established, mm-hmm. and I was in California, you know, a couple of months ago, uh, you go to the more established economies and there's kind of nothing happening. And then you go yeah. to these <laughs> developing worlds. It's remarkable. And there are, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80-story buildings popping up, you know, dozens of them, and mm-hmm. there's new motorways and new public infrastructure. It's just incredible, isn't it? You know, and... You really yeah. see in the Philippines as well, in Manila, there is just an enormous rate of growth and change and development. And, you know, sort of in Ortigas, one of the suburbs here, there's about 10 um, 50-story buildings that have been delivered in the last uh, one year. You know, and things have slowed slowed down considerably because of uh, COVID, of course. But um, in these developing countries, there's enormous growth and development and affluence is super they're super exciting places to be in Mm -hmm. yeah there are miles of highway i swear where all you see off the side is large large office buildings being rapidly built up with you know massive construction teams on the job every single day it's like i I wish i could speak more to exactly what kind of industry is going in there and you know what kind of spaces they'll be but Mm. either way it's it's encouraging to see that sort of progress yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I, I can't comment, obviously, but it, but it is interesting. And it's funny with COVID that, um, you know, a, a lot of this office space might be undermined now, you know, like there can still be economic growth, but are people necessarily mm-hmm. going to need the office space? Are they going to need the city centers? It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a pretty crazy few years ahead, I think. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so sure. virtual worker now, like tell us, you, you sort of hinted as to the origins and um, you yourself have background in MentorBox. So there's there's quite a lot of, mm-hmm. um, uh, what is it, online information marketing, e-commerce, um, yeah. you know, digital, a lot of that influence in the business, which is fantastic because there's a lot of skill sets there, very valuable skill sets if you can basically build um you know, sort of very substantial businesses off the back of digital presence, digital marketing, information services, things like that. Um, yeah, what was your journey from MentorBox and then into Virtual Worker now? And what are your what are your plans, I suppose, for Virtual Worker now, now that you're sort of consolidating everything and pushing it forward? Yeah, my, my journey, I would say, starts at my job before that even, you know, in a brief way. I was a salesperson. I was selling textbooks. Um, for a large publisher at colleges and my my job was you know not just to sell but to learn the material that I was selling in about 16 different disciplines you know psychology the sciences uh, literature philosophy sociology chemistry all that stuff and you know I, I I took it upon myself to just you know try to learn as much as I could without the proper language and the proper underlying education for the topics that I was less familiar with but for the purpose of having, you know, fun conversations with the professors that I was talking to about these textbooks every day. Then I came to MentorBox, um, where I started off as 
was actually an on-camera interviewer of the authors that we were working with. So I did interviews with, you know, a New Yorker copy editor, Mary Norris, um, champion poker player, Annie Duke. Uh, you know, I produced a bunch of shots with uh, a bunch of courses with really high level folks, Reed Hoffman, um, you know, billionaire and many professional athletes, Marcellus Wiley, Karan Butler. And in so doing, I was also encouraged to learn a lot about those folks, learn about their backgrounds. But at the same time, more importantly, as you said, MentorBox is, um, and where we come from is sort of the info marketing, online digital marketing space. And everybody that's involved there is sort of a polymath. They just do everything. They're, you know, they are teaching themselves how to advertise online, how to, you know, build an audience online. But in doing that, you really have to perfect all the little pieces that go into, you know, building a brand, capturing someone's attention, putting together the proper sales pitch, and ultimately constructing, you know, a sales funnel, a funnel system that brings an audience into your brand, into your business, encourages them to, you know, purchase, become in some way committed to you, and then, you know, become a, a valuable customer. So I was teaching myself how to, you know, build these things from scratch, how to basically build a website, a product portfolio, and an entire business from scratch, almost in, in the, like a digital marketing consultant manner. That's largely what we were doing. After MentorBox grew to a certain size, we started to do events. We would do high-ticket events um, where we would host, you know, medium to medium large business folks to come in. We would sort of consult them and help them, you know, rebuild their websites and their sales funnels and, you know, optimize their businesses basically. So, I took it upon myself to learn how to do as much as possible, which is, you know, everything from building the website, um, you know, doing the sales pitch, all the copywriting and everything, but also like creating the videos. So I would often record the video, be featured in the video. Sometimes I would then edit the video, you know, give it all the, the cuts and the, the beginning and end things, the transitions and everything. I would then upload the video onto the website. I would publish it with all the SEO optimization. I would then, you know, do the social media updates to the world, update our Facebook groups, email blasts, and then run ads about that course. So I took it on upon myself to learn just like absolutely every inch of every step along the way. Then, you know, we over time we did that with other businesses, like I said. Now, with Virtual Worker Now, we have all those pieces of the puzzle, but in with people that are better than I am at each individual step of the way. So we have, you know, expert, you know, world-class video editors, graphic designers, copywriters. I don't want to list them all again, but we have all those people that can do those different pieces because as I mentioned, Yusuf, Jonathan and I are already sort of in this realm and, you know, we know all these people. It's very easy for us to convince, you know, the people in our immediate network, Hey, we know that you need somebody who's very strong in this realm to help you take care of your branding, you know, creating your content, doing your social media. Because at the end of the day, it's our goal, it's Virtual Worker Now's goal to make sure that all entrepreneurs, business owners, business leaders are remaining within their zone of genius at all times. I'm sure you hear this constantly with your other folks and, you know, making sure that they're focusing on what they do best with their business, focusing on growth, focusing on partnerships, those really high level sorts of things. And we, you know, take care of the sort of periphery around that with our creatives and with our specialists. Got it. Got it. And it's becoming a, I mean, it's a huge industry now, isn't it? The creator economy and the influencer economy and the coaching economy and also, you know, the, the information economy. Um, it, it's, it's enormous. And there's, 
such a huge need and it's becoming increasingly skilled. All of those things that you mentioned, you know, 10 years ago, the average person would hack it together because that's what it took. Whereas now everything is becoming so specialized, like you're not going to get an ROI on Facebook if unless you're pretty specialized and capable at it and you're not going to produce a video uh, you know that that gets any results unless you're very specialized at that so this whole industry now is becoming very specialized and and full of experts and um, it, it's amazing to see these industries kind of go from sort of amateur hackers up to highly professionalized highly specialized functions and and then yeah you know if, if you want to compete as an influencer you need to start building this team don't you and, and it's uh, it's incredible to see all of this happen over the last really five years, I suppose, five, 10 years. Yeah. And especially in the last, you know, two, I mean, coronavirus did something to business. It increased the desire among folks and the demand among folks to create their own businesses, to start an online store, to, you know, do something virtual, something remote, something that generates some sort of income, some cash for them. So, all those people need help and it's not easy to start a business with, you know, limited funding and no knowledge of how to do branding and how to create a creative asset or how to, you know, do customer service and engage with your customers. But there are people out there, you know, the ones that we work with that are willing and capable and very good at doing those things. So, you know, it's just, it, it, if anything, just kind of push to the, push the scale of business along in that sense. Also, I, I will say, um, as we talk about this, I, I think back to the Peter Drucker article that was written before I was born, but, um, uh, sell the mailroom. He has a line about, um, the importance of it. It's generally about this, but you know, he refers to these things as like clerical or maintenance type work where that's sort of what's being outsourced. It's the things that are not, you know, critical to like the, the central mission of the business, the product or the service that the business ultimately offers. But it's the things, you know, making sure that the phones are answered and the, the offices remain clean and those sorts of things. You know, back then, that was the sort of work that you needed to maintain a business on the periphery, you know, keeping mm. things safe, clean and running properly. But then you have the salespeople and the directly involved with revenue type people. These days with digital business, everything is maintenance. Everything is critical to what you're doing. If you don't have a brand, if you don't have you know, social media running and grabbing attention for you, you, you're going to struggle unless you just have, you know, a really strong network of referrals and just strong direct access to a pool of customers. You're going to struggle unless you have all the digital infrastructure of a, of a, of a brand like that. At the end of the day, your online presence is like your office space. Now, if you, if you don't maintain it very well, if you don't work really hard at making it beautiful and visible to the world with a big sign on your skyscraper, you know, your social media, you're going to struggle. Mm. And, you know, there's benefits to being, we are all uh, hardwired now into the global economy, but there's also a downside to that. You know, if I'm a small business starting out, I could maybe have shone in my own hometown. Whereas if I now enter the global economy, which is basically, you know, you plug into either Facebook or YouTube, you're immediately going up against the best of the best. You're immediately competing with your ad dollars or your ad attention against MentorBox or Mind Valley or you know the best of the best brands out there. And also you're competing for attention against 
you know, Coca-Cola and, and every other brand. So it's highly competitive, isn't it? And, and you know, just the, the quality and capability of these, the leaders in the market are so good. So while it is leveling the playing field, it also means that you have to really come with your A game to, to get noticed. Yeah, I think that just speaks more to what we're talking about here. You know, you need you need to focus on your zone of genius as a as a creator and an enterprising entrepreneur. You need to be able to whatever your main solution to a problem that you're solving is that you know you're charging people for, whatever that core business model is, you need to perfect that. You need to have a genuinely valuable something. Your widget mm-hmm. needs to be extremely valuable without a doubt. You know, it needs to be so good that they can't ignore you. A perennial seller. I'm just kind of, you know, quoting the names of the big books out there that talk about this sort of thing. But um, you, you can't get by with, you know, low quality products these days, low quality services. I mean, plenty of people do, of course. But if you want to compete, if you want to be a serious business, you need to take your branding seriously. You need to take your customer engagement seriously. And, you know, you can't always do that all by yourself. And that's where folks like us come in. What do you think? There's a lot of this. This sort of global economy now has opened up opportunity to entrepreneurs all over the world, and there's tens of millions of people, excuse me, entering this economy. Whether they're in e-commerce on the sort of Amazon Rails, or uh, whether it's information marketing on ClickFunnels Rails, or you know, there's a lot of sort of rails and processes, but very few break out. And then you have a few that do break out, like you know, maybe mentor box that become household names. And there's, you know, the, the guys that made the bone broth, there's the ones that made the deodorant, you know, there, there are the ones that make sort of multi hundred million dollar businesses uh, from the same rails, but yet there are many millions of people that really can't get it all working. What do you think is the difference between those that break out and the many millions that don't? I'll be honest with you. I I don't think that I'm the kind of guy who does not think that there's a universal answer for these things. You know, I could give you many reasons why, you know, somebody succeeds and another person doesn't. And, you know, there are plenty of simple things like that. Like if you are a genuinely hardworking person and you research and you study aggressively and you learn your market and you test, test, test to the end of the world and you network and you meet the right people, those things are all going to increase your likelihood of success. At the end of the day, it's it's not as simple of an equation of that. However, there are many other things to, uh, to consider. I think that the most important thing is that first movers are going to win at the end of the day. If you are first in a new space, a new industry or a new medium platform, et cetera, you're, you're more likely to find a way to win. So all those things that I just said, plus being a first mover, we're seeing this at a, you know, a rapidly accelerating pace these days. Um, people that, you know, adopted internet marketing earlier on, you know, even if they weren't good at it to start, they had the educational beginning to figure it out over time. Now we're in the, I mean, a great example of this right now, crypto, NFTs, web 3.0, the metaverse, like nobody really knows what's going on right now. People are developing the metaverse without any clear, you know, idea of what it is. I mean, if you're a gamer like I am, you might have plenty of ideas and, you know, virtual real estate that sort of thing. People are adopting these things psychologically. It's all about sort of like a, a psychological adoption of what is, what matters and what doesn't. If, if you can identify that something is, 
you know, a burgeoning field, even if it appears risky, if it appears like it takes a lot of investment, the, the minimum thing that you must do is invest yourself into the education of that thing so that you understand how it works, you know, the language behind it and how to take advantage of it when the opportunities arise. And that's true with digital marketing. It's true with, you know, NFTs, crypto, it's true of all of those things. And it's true of online business. That's what we're talking about here is the fact that, you know, Amazon and ClickFunnels and all those things are, they're, you know, kind of exclusive right now, but at the end of the day, that's where all business is going. It's going online. It's going to be much more digital over the years and it's not going to move backward from there. Mm -hmm. So if you're educating yourself, the more platforms expand and become more accessible, the more people will be able to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. So you're sitting in Brooklyn and we'll get on to virtual work now, but you're sitting in Brooklyn and, you know, a couple of months ago, I was in Silicon Valley and Palo Alto and the Bay Area and San Francisco and, you know, the, the cutting edge, the bleeding edge of tech and development. But it is amazing that the vast majority of life still is very normal. Most 90% of people lead still a normal life. We're still sort of a very long way from a sort of a cliche future where we're all in autonomous vehicles and, and flying drones. Um, and how do you see from the ground in, in New York, how do you see the adoption of the globalized workforce of people realizing that, you know, there's people, there's potential employees beyond New York. And, you know, especially when we talk about the great resignation and labor shortages, skill shortages, are people realizing, do you think, that there's a whole global market out there that they can tap into? And if they do, they can stand to save, you know, maybe 50 to 70% on costs? Oh, yeah. People realize that for sure. Um, very rarely do I, you know, meet a prospect or a human being who just like doesn't realize that they can find somebody to do virtually anything for them. I think, um, you know, Fiverr and Upwork and websites like that have really open people's eyes to, oh man, there's, there are so many people out there willing to do free freelance work and remote work and, you know, just more affordable than what I'm normally used to seeing because you can do things on a project basis, on an hourly basis, on a full-time highly affordable basis, like we mostly do. Um, it, it's out there and people are generally aware. I, I think it's common and I actually agree with this, that people believe that being in the same space is it's an undeniable asset. I, I genuinely believe that if you are hoping to grow to a certain level with a company or with any organization, being in the same space can only help you, you know, and in some cases it might be necessary. I won't say for sure you have to do it because, you know, we are remote. We all are. But, um, I, I do think that there's something very, very strong about that. And I think that people still have that general reluctance to, you know, go out there and look for sort of outsourced work, especially when they're going international and global like that, because there are those sort of negative perceptions of, you know, working with people that don't really care because they're far away and they're just looking for an opportunity to make money or people that are just very robotic and just want to be on the phone and have the same sort of robotic conversations all day when, you know, those things are obviously, as you and I know, entirely untrue. I'm very close friends with many people in my organization, as I'm sure you are. And, you know, they went to university, they have had lives not dissimilar to ours. At the end of the day, there's just, you know, different opportunities that are being brought up for those folks. And um, I do think that people are going to start to realize, you know, I, the conversations, like I said, nobody's saying, oh my God, I didn't realize that I could, you know, get a video editor from somewhere else. It's mostly, you know, I, I didn't 
quite trust the system that was being presented to me from another, you know, competitor, or I, I just didn't like who I worked with, or I just, I don't quite trust that model yet because I haven't seen that many other people do it. But as that person does it, their friends see them do it more and more people in their network, see them do it. It's only going to grow. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, what I find is your industry in particular, like information marketing and digital and e-commerce and everyone is on the ball there. And I assume a lot of it is to do with it's, it's kind of the younger generation and maybe a lot of them grew up off the back of Tim Ferriss and stuff like that. Um, but you know, if you go down to the diamond district or, you know, within Manhattan or wall street, there's still the, there's still the traditional industries and they're like miles away from broad adoption of, of offshore and global employment. Whereas, you know, almost everyone now that works in these online worlds and Facebook marketing and stuff like that, it's, uh, you know, it's just like a, it's normalized, isn't it? And I think for those industries like Facebook and information marketing, you almost have to like, it's just a default now to go looking for your, uh, your staff globally. Whereas there's so many industries, uh, you know, in Manhattan that just would not have considered it and, and still don't kind of understand it. So maybe, maybe it is just a a generational thing. I, I think that's partially it for sure. I think, I mean, my generation is, is probably more, you know, global and international than the prior one. It's tough to say, but at the end of the day, I, I think it's a, it's a risk willingness thing when you're, when you're starting up, um, on a smaller scale, you know, you need access to people with certain skills and it, we now have the internet to find those people. And, you know, are you going to take the risk of working with somebody who you can't meet in person, you know, who you might not speak to very much? Like all those things are reasonable objections to why you might not want to do that. You just have to kind of get past that first veil of, okay, you know, how do I trust this person and the system that allows them to work with me? I will say I have, you know, I have friends that work at hedge funds in New York and, you know, are really big in finance and really high level startups, like, um, doing really wild stuff. And I think, you know, especially since COVID people are just generally adopting this more, like even the really high level wall street type companies, I wouldn't be surprised. I can't say directly, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were moving into the realm of, you know, more global workforces just because everything is decentralized, you know, everything is naturally just becoming decentralized with or without COVID, you know, things are going in that direction. But now that some budgets may have been impacted, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, more and more adopted and started to test out those waters, overcome those barriers of trust and insecurity about working with somebody who's, you know, 10,000 miles away and realizing, oh, this actually works pretty dang well. This team or this individual is really intelligent, a genuine collaborator, you know, to our business and a contributor who understands the bottom line and knows how to impact the industry. Let's keep doing this. I think that's yeah. definitely happening on a large scale too. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's going to, it hits this tipping point, like to sort of steal Malcolm Gladwell's kind of angle. But, mm-hmm. you know, the first 10, 20, 30% of people that do it, it's still a little bit freaky. It's still avant-garde. It's, it's kind of unknown. And then also they will get tripped up because the industry isn't really developed. But once... 20, 30, 40% of people do it and then other people see them doing it and other people see the benefits, then it will hit this tipping point where it just becomes so normalized. And that's, of course, helped by things like COVID and remote work, but also Slack and Zoom and having all the tools in the cloud and it just becoming so normalized. 
you know, and, and I really think that we've kind of, we're almost at that tipping point now where the default will be globalized employment. And, and as you say, you know, you then don't have to educate people what it is, how it works. It, it's everyone knows that. And then it's just, they, they, it's about them uh, exploring who they want to work with and under what sort of conditions it's uh, so it's it's moving super exciting so virtual worker now let's uh, let's get on to that and you you specialize obviously in in providing staffing I from what I understand mm-hmm. it is it is global although the majority of the staff are from Egypt and do you you focus on full-time employees yeah we do almost entirely full-time employees we're big believers that having somebody get involved in your brand in your business completely you know they're dedicating themselves as if they are an employee to you um in your workforce and they learn your voice and your style especially if they're involved in branding or they learn the inner machinations of your sales funnel and your business that's the only way to really guarantee that somebody is going to be a genuinely valuable contributing human being to your company um you know there's nothing wrong with some having somebody do part-time and that sort of thing and we do have plenty of options for working on a non-full-time basis, but it's our goal to, to be partners, you know, to, to really in the, in the, in a genuine way, be a partner with you. So not only do we give mostly full-time folks and really push that on people, you know, if, if they don't think they need that, we will go the extra consultative mile to say, okay, but you know, are you doing this with your designers or are you, are you, is your customer service team, you know, doing like, are they sales oriented and are they doing chat? Are they doing email? Are they doing omni-channel and we will tell them you know there are ways where if you 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 might not think that you need a full-time person here but we will prove an roi with a full-time person in this this and this way and then you know we we do our best to do that um like i said we do have the options for non-full-time and you know those are perfectly acceptable especially if it's like a project oriented type thing um but in addition to giving somebody a full-time employee we give everybody two really important free things we give everybody a a quality assurance manager all of our departments have uh, a high level lead who oversees all the accounts especially in the training and onboarding phases and they you know at no cost they're directly corresponding with whatever you know member of the client's team is kind of developing the, the main specialist who will do that job so it's kind of like a team of three at minimum every partnership that we have um and then beyond that we do a flexible free trial with every single person that we start we do not charge them until they are happy with us like undeniably happy they have to take on our specialists they have to you know do enough tasks and give them enough feedback so that we demonstrate like we're on a call together and you say to me yes i want to work with this person long term then we go into our paid partnership so we are very very flexible and very very dedicated to you know working in the the world of people in the most reasonable way which is as if you're hiring and, you know, onboarding a, a, an actual in-house employee. You want that person to be a culture fit, to be a work workspace fit, and to really prove an ROI. So we, we do that with a free trial with everybody. Got it. Wow. So a lot of the, like, it is difficult to offshore, and there's a learning curve, and um, a lot of people walk away disappointed from offshoring. Now, I believe that, you know, there, there is in some respects blame, if you can say that, to be laid in in the providers of that work, but also the clients um, aren't necessarily always up 
for the job. And when you have, when you're dealing with clients that are smaller businesses, they're starting out, they're actually learning themselves how to build a business, how to delegate, how to build systems, how to scale. How do you manage the, uh, I suppose, you know, how do you manage that aspect? How do you, how do you coach the clients? And if the client is not receiving the results they expect, how do you sort of untangle whether it's actually because of the the staffing or maybe the client yet isn't developed enough as a business or their processes or their delegation or their management style? Yeah, it, it just comes from aggressive communication, to be honest with you. Um, you know, very close account management. I generally act as the account manager for you know, all of our clients for a good period of time until we assign somebody else, um, you know, the QA manager and even a third person to kind of oversee what's happening there on a constant basis. Um, we, you know, sometimes you got to fire a client. Sometimes you just can't work with somebody because you get to that point. But we work very closely on a consultative basis with all of our clients. Like I said before, you know, it's our goal to demonstrate an ROI and to help them identify places where they didn't even realize they could extract an ROI. So, like I mentioned before, we come from a very um, an actual like consultation background where the MentorBox team and with the help of Yusuf from Virtual Worker now, we would do consultations for actual businesses and startups. So we are familiar with, you know, especially in the realm of digital marketing, how to optimize businesses and how to, you know, in many ways, how to, how to build and lead a team doing that in a global way. So we have very robust internal training that teaches our specialists, how to, you know, work in a decentralized manner. We have very robust, um, policies for, you know, protecting them and keeping them safe. And that is our ultimate goal. So if a client is just not working out and it's not healthy, we will cut it off. You know, we're not pushing ourselves to keep every client and work with everybody in the world. That is rare. And that's rare because, you know, I will get on the phone, I will get on a zoom and I will talk to those people about what's going on and we will find solutions. Thankfully, the free trial policy that we have, have really eliminates a lot of this because, you know, if we're going a couple of weeks with somebody without any financial commitment, it's it's no problem to kind of figure out exactly what they need to work effectively. You know, maybe the initial team we gave them wasn't the perfect team. Maybe that person just wasn't a good fit. You know, maybe that copywriter isn't as good as ri- at writing scripts as they are at writing uh, marketing copywriting, and this person needs scripts. So we need to maybe replace that person and swap around or something like that. So we're just highly flexible in how we assign folks, how we work as teams. Um, and we, we over communicate, we communicate a lot with our clients and make sure that they're happy early on rather than deal with those things later on. It still does happen and we still do have our troubles. Um, but you know, we're not afraid to in either direction, you know, be flexible in a trial or say goodbye to a client. Got it. And so if someone comes to you saying they need a digital marketing manager, you not only source that staff member, they work direct for the client, but effectively you manage the workflow and process and training. Is that right? Is it almost like a, like a, what would I say? Um, a a co-managed operation and you help with the, the deliverable and product? In a sense, yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say co-managed entirely because it is our goal, like I said, to to get somebody into that company as if they are an employee, so that they're just literally as familiar as a you know an in-house employee would be with their business model and their bottom line and the things that are important to growing that business and that business's goals. So we 
we co-manage in sort of a, like I said, a consultative way where we, because we work with all kinds of businesses across all industries, have best practices and we have trainings. And if somebody is kind of opening up a branch, if they're starting customer service for the first time or they're introducing a media plan, social media or content, or if they're, you know, bringing on a creative who they just, you know, I have no idea what video is. I don't know how editing works. I don't know how a feedback system and giving them advice and, you know, posting the videos works. We have best practices. Virtual Worker now has, has those best practices to help the client, you know, establish them within their own company. And that's what that sort of quality assurance manager does. They make sure that, you know, KPIs are being established and hit. And they make sure that if anything is clearly, you know, working inefficiently or just, there isn't a system in place for it that we will offer our strongest advice from the research that we've, that we've gathered doing those jobs elsewhere to help them create those systems and implement them themselves. Ultimately, the, the management and oversight and assignments will come from our clients in you know, 99% of cases. We really do ingrain our folks in their businesses, but in many cases, we are helping them establish those best practices. And it's incredible value, isn't it? You know, people have the option of hiring someone in their local vicinity, be it New York. And if you do that, you're on your own. Whereas, you know, you can hire someone globally with a partner like you guys and um, you not only get, you know, fantastic world quality staff at a discount, but then you also get the partnership of you and the oversight and your experience and your knowledge in the sector. And so it, it's just incredibly powerful, isn't it, compared to traditional employment where you pay a lot more and you're on your own. I like to think it's more valuable for sure. Um, we, any way that a partnership starts is, you know, how can we help you grow? It's, you know, it's, let's talk about your entire business model. Let's talk about your growth goals for this year. It's like we're thinking long term, we're thinking big picture. And it's bold for us to come in and say, you know, let's think that seriously. How can we help you achieve that? But we're very confident. You know, we've we come from that realm of people who are only growing businesses. That's like their life goal is to is to start and create and grow and build a team and a business and exit and that sort of thing. And um, you know, we succeeded to in doing that with Mentorbox. You know, Jonathan Kendall and I worked on multiple ventures under uh, Ty Lopez and Alex Mary, who are very well, well-known entrepreneurs and, you know, growth hackers, that kind of thing. Um, and Yusuf himself, you know, built a massive brand from scratch. You know, he just, he started doing, you know, simple video YouTube and grew that from scratch. So we're, we're very confident, sometimes overconfident in our ability to help people identify growth and scaling patterns. And like I said before, I'm not the kind of guy that believes in, you know, universal answers here, but we are ahead of the curve in terms of how digital marketing works and and how that sort of thing works. We understand the whole sort of, you know, fractal amalgam of, of what goes on between marketing, between brand building, um, having a website and of just the importance of who you know and networking and everything. So we offer that to everybody that we start with. It is our goal to help everyone grow. Not everybody is looking to aggressively grow. Some people just need a team managed and they don't even really want to tell us too much about what their goals are. Um, but at the end of the day, we offer that. We offer it confidently and we are continuously consultative. We will regularly meet with our clients, our executives, You know, me and Jonathan and Yusuf and Rana, our CEO. We will regularly meet with our clients to have conversations if that's what they want. If they feel like they have an opportunity to grow, 
we want them to trust us as a consultative partner that will help them do that in some way. Even if we can't offer the exact solution through our specialists, we have partners, we have, you know, friends, we have, you know, access to business folks and experts that we want to share with those people as well. So we just do whatever we can to help them. Got it. And how do you price that? How do you, what's your typical price structure? Yeah, so we, we're pretty diverse now, but um, our ultimate pricing system is very simple. We are $1,400 to $1,600 a month for about 90% of our specialists. Um, we have a few different tiers, but you know, our standard like virtual assistant or maybe a customer service agent is in the $1,400 tier. Then we do our creatives, our copywriters, graphic designers, and video editors. Um, a little bit harder to source at the you know the skill level that we want. Um, so that's in the fifteen hundred a month realm, um, and then sixteen hundred is kind of like a, a team leader for a customer service team or uh, some web developers that we have that do simple landing pages and that sort of thing, uh, or sales folks. They generally are in the sixteen hundred per month tier. We also do a little bit of like a, the, and that's all full time. So that amounts to. Um, between like seven and nine dollars an hour, basically for those folks full time. Um, we have a, a bunch of other options too for non full time work. Um, we do prefer to get those people in there full time, like I said. But we do website buildouts, we do funnel buildouts where we take a team of like one of each of those people, and we will build you a website. We will build you a you know a Shopify store. We will build you uh, a high ticket funnel, you know, event sales store, or we will you know do your entire social media on a regular basis. Um, generally those things are priced between a thousand and 5,000 for like a full build out of a website that has a marketing backend with some like email drip campaigns and some marketing materials pre-made for you. So we'll do that sort of thing. And then the smaller things that we do are sort of like tiered assets where we'll create X number of assets per week. Maybe that's, you know, five Instagram videos, seven Instagram design posts, or like three written emails, each category kind of has its own tier one, tier two, and tier three. And those usually cost $400, $600, and $800, depending on what the volume of those things are Got it. per month. Yeah, again. It's, it's such a big world now, isn't it? Well, Tyler, it's, it's been amazing. And again, it's, it's great to uh, have spoken to someone who's, who's focusing on Egypt talent as well. So yeah. uh, it's just so valuable to reach out and have a conversation and see how Global employment can really help your business and help leverage what what you're doing. So, uh, fantastic, Tyler. If anyone wants to get in touch or learn more about Virtual Worker now, how can they do that? Yeah, you can email me directly, Tyler.lay at virtualworkernow.com. You can go to our website, virtualworkernow.com, um, or you can hit us up on our social media: Instagram, LinkedIn. My name is Tyler Lay. Uh, L-A-Y um, reach out to Yusuf Sabri he is our founder uh, on Instagram and LinkedIn he basically responds to all the messages that he gets individually by himself even though he gets hundreds a day because he's pretty famous um, but yeah reach out to me him or you know our brands on social media and we'll get right back to you fantastic thanks Donna yeah thank you so much for having me on that was Tyler Lay, the Chief Marketing Officer of Virtual Worker Now. As always, if you're on any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just send us an email to ask 
at OutsourceAccelerator.com. See you next time.